Welcome to another episode of the Crime to Talk podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. Some of you may know me as Chris on Crime, and this is Angel, and you may know me from Hey Girl, Let's Talk Crime. So before we get into this story tonight, I want to first say thank you to everyone who has joined us for the last two episodes. We are still very new and still trying to figure a few things out. So thank you for being patient with us. As some of you guys may know, I am in one place and Angel is in another place. So we are recording collectively and we're still trying to figure out the flow of things. <laughs> So I appreciate you guys for sticking with us so far. We will get better as time goes on and I appreciate you guys. So thank you. The second thing I would like to mention that once we get into the groove of things, Angel and I will be doing some really cool giveaways. So in the episodes to follow, we will be mentioning something of importance or relevance and you'll have to listen through the episode to get that information and after each episode airs the following day we will go on and we will ask a question and we'll give a time for everyone to answer and then we'll do a drawing and we'll whoever has the proper answer and gets their name drawn then we will do some sort of giveaway so thank you guys for sticking with us and we're going to jump right in Now, before we start this case, I do want to preface it by issuing a trigger warning. If you are at all sensitive to cases that involve child injury, this may not be the episode for you. Okay, so on this episode, we are going to talk about a six-year-old girl by the name of Lauren Bellius. Lauren Sylvia Bellius was born to her parents, John and Allison, on September 16, 2004. So Lauren is a twin. Her twin's name is Erica. And then they also had an older brother um, who was eight at the time of this incident um, named Nolan. So her parents, John and Allison, were married in 2001, and then around 2009, 2010, they were separated, and according to John, this is when Allison moves in a boyfriend by the name of David Treblecock. So Allison said that it didn't happen that quick. However, during this time, John did still have joint custody of their three children, which was three days a week. So specifically, we're going to be talking about Lauren. Lauren was a six-year-old. She had just finished her first grade year at McAllister Elementary School. Um, This is now in July of 2011. She was active in Taekwondo. She was in ballet. She was also in soccer. She absolutely loved animals. Um, She loved singing, dancing, kind of all the cutesy stuff that a lot of six-year-old girls would be involved in. Um, And then they said that she just had like a really big heart. So she had like, her and her sister Erica had really long blonde hair. Um, and she ended up cutting off all of her hair so that she could donate it to Locks of Love. So that's just kind of like the type of little girl that she was. So she was super excited about the summer. Um, That August, she would be heading into the second grade. Um, But over the summer, um, as I stated, her father, John, did have them three days a week because they had joint custody. They would, you know, ride bikes. They had a pool in the background, nothing fancy, but something that, you know, the girls and Nolan, the brother, loved to play in. And then 
they ended up going to a water park with their father uh, called Enchanted Forest Water Safari um, with John, the dad, and then her twin sister, Erica, as well as her brother, Nolan. Lauren had stated that it was the best day ever. So she was just really excited about everything. Like in the beginning of July, the boyfriend, David Allison, started to plan a trip to Walt Disney, to Florida with the children. And so initially, David was super excited about it. There was like no issues. But as they get to like kind of finalizing everything, David got really, really nervous. And there was really kind of like no reason why. Um, so just to kind of give a little background on David and Allison's relationship, according to Allison, uh, they never argued. He never raised his voice at her. He and her children got along really well. There was just really no indication that he was a violent man at all up until the week prior to this incident. After he kind of started getting like nervous about the finalizations of these plans to Florida, that's when David tells Allison that when he was around 18 or 19 years old, when he was living in Florida, he slept with a 12 year old. And so he felt like as soon as he got to Florida, that the police would be waiting to arrest him. And so Allison states that at that moment, she looked at him differently. She knew that she had to leave the relationship, but she didn't want to cause this big scene or you know, put anyone in danger. She just wanted to like leave it as peacefully as possible. So she was putting a plan in place. So before this incident had happened, a coworker had come forth stating that David had told her that he was seeing demons. And she just kind of brushed it off saying like, oh, maybe you just need sleep and didn't think anything else about it. When he told her about this situation he had been in, was he actively wanted by the police or do we not know that yet? So no. Um, and so that, that I think that will kind of play into at the end his mental health because he was thinking that they would just be waiting for him as soon as he touched down in Florida. So I don't know if this was something that he made up in his mind. He had up until this point, he has never been arrested for raping a 12 year old child. So no, I think it was just something that happened and maybe it never came to light, but he was thinking in his mind, as soon as I get to Florida, I know that I'm going to be arrested. And so he just didn't want to go anymore. And so that night, like I said, she had kind of made it up in her mind that this relationship has to end. And so he ends up leaving instead. He's like, I can't do this. Like, there's a lot going on. So he leaves that night and he comes back the next night and he says, everything's fixed. Everything's good to go. We can go to Florida. Like, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to get arrested. What that meant, I don't know. Allison was like, okay. Within this week prior to this happening, Allison comes home from going to the store or something and her Lauren kind of looks like really flustered and she's not like talking and she just looks out of it. And so Allison is talking to Lauren, who normally is very talkative, very, very playful, like all of those things. And she said she ends up talking to her that night. But during the whole time that she's talking to her, she was noticing that David would not allow her to be alone with Lauren. Like he was in the room as she was talking to her, hugging her, trying to figure out what was wrong with her. She said after like five to 10 minutes that Lauren was fine. She was back to laughing and giggling and playing uh, with her siblings. And so she just assumed that she just kind of had a bad day, went on about her business. 
So on July 18, 2011, normal night, everyone goes to bed. And the following morning, Allison wakes up to hearing screams. And she knows it's one of her daughters, but she, she doesn't know which one. And so she gets out of her bed. She goes across the hall to get into the bedroom and she can't open the door. She must have heard David because she said that she thought David was behind the door, keeping the door closed. And when she was finally able to get into the room, she realized that David was not behind the door, that he had put a dresser up against the door. And, you know, like the ladders that go up to like the bunk beds, <laughs> he was on the ladder stabbing Lauren. And so she was screaming at him, like, what are you doing? Like, stop. And he said, this is not your baby. She needs to die. And so he's continuing to stab her. Allison goes up and tries to pull him off of her. At that time, like the whole ladder and the rails, the whole mm -hmm. thing comes off of the bunk bed. And Lauren falls off the bed, lands, and he continues to stab her. And then Allison gets on top of him. And he's, she's trying to get the knife from him. And so she goes back over to Lauren and tries to give her CPR. He comes back, pulls her off, continues to stab her um, in the chest, in the neck, just everywhere. Um, at one point, the knife slipped and it actually stabbed Allison in her chest. And so at that point, she was able to gain control of the knife. Um, she did cut her finger pretty badly. But then she was able to get on top of David, who had went back to Lauren, and she attempted to slit his throat, uh, but the knife was too dull at that point. So then she starts stabbing him in his neck and in his back. He falls out. She assumes, like, he's done. Good Lord. Yeah, it was like, it. it's really brutal. Um, so she's obviously back at Lauren trying to do CPR. He comes back again, and they just keep doing this for, like, 25 minutes. So she stabs him again and he like falls kind of like partially in the closet. And um, she has Erica and Nolan run to the neighbors. And then another neighbor had heard screams. And so police were there rather quickly. She takes Lauren outside to the front yard and is performing CPR. So when the ambulance come, Lauren goes in her own ambulance. Um, and then they take Allison and then David. By the time Allison gets to the hospital, she said that they were already cleaning up. Laura, Lauren was dead. She was gone. She said that she's holding her daughter's dead body when like the detectives come in and starts telling her why David did what he did. This David said he did this and this is why. But she was under the impression that David was dead. And he's like, no, as soon as he got in the ambulance, he was alert and talked. So what? yeah, it was, yeah. So she was obviously very, very upset. He ends up getting charged with second degree murder. Once he's released from the hospital, he obviously goes to jail. Fast forward, they end up going to trial. Two months after Lauren was murdered, her brother, Nolan, wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes to his mom's room and he's like, I have to tell you something. I don't know if it means anything, but I really have to tell you. He tells her that the night that she had come in there and was speaking to Lauren and Lauren was like really out of it and kind of not herself. 
when she was gone, because I guess she went to the store, Nolan was walking down the hallway to his room. And when he passed his sister's room, he saw David in there with Lauren. Lauren was changing into her pajamas. But at the time that he walked past the room, Lauren was naked from the waist down. And David was like sitting next to her on the bed, like telling her how pretty she was and how much he loved her. And when he looked up and he realized that Nolan was standing there, he got up and he was like, can you excuse us? This is a private conversation and closes the door. Allison freaks out like, oh my gosh, that's why she was acting that way because he was violating her. And so he calls, she calls the DA the following morning once they go to trial. So in the state of New York, the defendant actually has the right to choose a jury or a judge to make the final call. David had chose to have a judge trial. What trial is it? Trial by judge. Mm -hmm. trial by judge yes I watched the verdict and it was like 15 minutes long and the judge was just talking about how he hated the fact that he had that option and how like a jury can have other people to talk to about the evidence or what it sounds like to them but when it's just a judge doing it like he's the only person making the decision he doesn't have anybody else to you know, talk to about perspective or any of those things. I think he was kind of preparing the family for the verdict. And he ends up saying that David is guilty of this crime, but he is not criminally responsible. The family was obviously outraged. And then there were just so many things that to me, if you're insane, it's kind of like you don't think certain things are wrong. But like the fact that he barricaded himself in the room, he also deleted everything from his hard drive he also tied the dog up in the garage um so the dog would not interfere in any way like to me that sounds like premeditate like you knew what you were doing and kind of going back to the night that her brother nolan saw everything i think it had a lot to do just well the family thinks that it had a lot to do with the fact that he was violating Lauren and she was going to eventually tell. I think that's true just because he admitted that he had raped a 12-year-old when he was like 18 or 19 years old. So the judge says that he is not criminally responsible, but makes a point to say, I'm not stating that he's not guilty. I'm just saying he's not criminally responsible. And so he ends up sentencing him to one year psychiatric facility and what happens is every two years, he will be reevaluated. And if they feel like he's good to go, he'll be released. If not, then he would just stay there. This happened in 2011. Every two years, he was reevaluated and they still felt like he was a danger. So the family went on the Dr. Phil show, I believe in 2016. And when he was up for an evaluation and he found out that they went on the show he like flipped out like he lost it like he was really pissed off he's not remorseful at all and so they had decided like he's still too dangerous to come out and so they kept him in for another two years but what's interesting about this is when you are sentenced to like psychiatric facility you are protected by privacy laws so in any other situation if you're uh, assaulted by someone or anything to do with someone committing a crime against you and they go to prison, right? Like I, uh, my home was burglarized um, before. And so um, because I was a victim then I would, they called me when this man was released from prison. So it's the same with, you know, any other crime. However, when you are sent to a psychiatric facility, you're actually protected by privacy laws. You're protected by HIPAA. They are not allowed to tell Allison, her family or anyone 
when he is released, if he is released, they're not allowed to tell them anything about him. And so the last update that I saw was in April of this year, he was actually taken from a secure facility to a not secure facility. So he still can't come and go as he pleases, but he's not locked down like he was prior. So were either of the other two children injured at all? No. And so that was another thing. The nurse that was talking to him when he was at the psychiatric facility had asked, you know, why Lauren? And he said, because she was evil and he had to kill her. The nurse asked, well, what about Erica? Like they're twin, you know, kind of like what, like what's the difference? And he said, well, I haven't figured out yet if Erica is evil or not. So he just assumed that she was evil and said that he had to kill her in order for her to go to heaven. But then there was also another doctor that he spoke with and he said, I'm not crazy. Um, I know what I did was wrong. Um, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. So that night he had stabbed himself. Like he was attempting to take his own life because he didn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison, which to me shows another, you know, another yes. proof that it was like, he's not insane. Were you about to say so, so I, I remember earlier, you mentioned that he had told a coworker that he was seeing demons. Do they ever talk more about that or what, if, was there any, uh, substance to that did the anything come of that or do you think it was placated to build up defense for what he was going to do um I do think that that happened um because even a lot of people because he worked at a nursing home and I guess all the residents really loved oh, him wow. yeah all the people really loved him even in Allison's home um even though they didn't see him often um, they didn't think, they just thought he was a nice guy. Um, even John, the father of the children said that he would always ask his children, like, how is David? Like, are there any issues? And there were never any issues. Um, he just kind of thought he was really quiet, really shy. He played video games, but outside of that, there was kind of like nothing that said, this is a violent person kind of deal. They did end up diagnosing him with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. They just said that they feel like he just had like an episode that night, but because of all the stuff that he did prior to killing her, I guess, setting himself up to kill her, um, the family just doesn't believe that he is insane or that he has any mental issues that would cause him to do that. Or a lot of the, um, the legal team, let me say that. So what was really sad was after this had happened, John, the father had blamed Allison for getting their daughter, Lauren, killed. Basically saying, if you didn't bring this random guy around, she would still be here. Um, and so he kind of started spiraling out of control, so much so that Nolan, the brother, had called his mom, Allison, one day, like crying and screaming on the phone. Dad's weaving in and out of traffic, saying he's gonna kill us all. Dad says that's not what happened. Um, I just, I can't. Like he, he's going through it without his child, but he said, I would never, you know, try to kill my children or anything like that. But in the process of all of that happening, Allison just felt like their kids were not safe around their father. And she ends up getting a protection order against John. And so 
um, at the time that was like in 2016 when that happened. So I don't know how long it happened or if there was ever like a rec reconciliation because they did go to the Dr. Phil show, but I am not sure. But I do know that in 2020, uh, John Bellius did die. Um, I don't know if that had to do with his alcoholism. Um, I did find his obituary and it didn't say exactly how he died, uh, but it did say that he did die in 2020. Um, and again, I don't know if he and his children had reconciled by that point. That's so tragic. I mean, yeah. to, I'm sure, you know, the separation from his children um, yeah. may have had some effect on that because I would be heartbroken without my children. And I'm sure that, you know, that contributed to deeper to um, deeper into the decline of life I mean the continued alcoholism and any other type of contributions to his demise so that is really sad I hope he and the children had the opportunity to reconcile yeah and I, I haven't seen that episode of Dr. Phil um so I will I do want to watch and see um you know watch the details on it that's really really heartbreaking it's like really sad I don't and I never victim blame um, because the only person in this situation that's responsible for the death of Lauren is David Treblecock. Um, yes. However, I will say that I think that parents have a responsibility to their children um, to keep them safe and to make decisions that protect them at all times. And so I think that it was dangerous for her to allow him to be around them like any second longer after she had found out that he had raped a 12 year old child. Um, but again, I'm not victim blaming, but it's just, I don't know. I'm not saying that, you know, if she would have left, it would have changed anything or if he would have snuck in and I don't know. And I don't even know if he had violated her in any way prior to that night that Nolan had seen. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this was an ongoing thing. Yeah. And then, Erica had never said anything um and they're what 16 17 now um Nolan was two years older at the time that's one of the questions I would have probably is I mean of course we won't get that question answered but one of the things I would be looking for answers on is if they believe that this was something that had been done before if it was just that night that it happened and also if they confirmed because I know you said what you know he was charged with second degree murder but was he ever charged in or were they able were they ever able to prove any type of sexual assault on Lauren that I don't know um because this happened two months after her murder mm -hmm. she was already you know the the funeral had already happened right um so there was nothing anything about you know taking the body back out or you know nothing none of that right. happened I think that her mom just assumed, oh, this must have been why she was acting the way that she was acting and kind of coupled that with the fact that he told her that he had raped a 12-year-old child. So right. um, I don't think that it was proven or anything, but I think, I don't know, I think at that point it almost didn't matter because he had taken her life maybe. So I don't think that it had any, because he was never charged with that. It right. was just That's second, yeah, it was just second degree murder. Yeah. So he was never... Um, charged with the rape or assault or anything um, of Lauren. And so, then there was never any proof or you didn't see anything about the 12 year old girl he had claimed to. No. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it was kind of one of those situations where, as you know, about secrets and people just keeping stuff until they die. 
if it did happen, um, the girl just maybe never said anything or she was terrified or she's going through a lot or whatever the case is, but um, he's never been charged with that. And um, I didn't see anything about it in the trial or anybody looking into it or anything like that. Um, I do know that he was in Florida at that time because he had a, a marijuana charge, a conviction when he was 19 out of Florida. So I know that he was mm -hmm. in that area. Um, so I don't think that he's just making that up. I think that it did happen. Um, and then maybe, you know, just getting spooked about it. Away, uh... Yeah. Yeah. So I do so, agree with like the mental health thing, but I don't think that it's an excuse. I think that you should still, or if you're not going to be sentenced to prison because you have these mental issues, then whatever time you were going to be sentenced, you need to spend that amount of time in a facility. Yes. A secured facility because yes. now in the event that he does get out, since there's yep. no notification for the victims, yep. they may still be in danger. Yeah. Especially since he hasn't said he has no remorse and, you know, yeah. he did these things because of that. And the anger um, that he exhibited when he found out they were going to the doctor, Phil, you know, no one knows the thoughts of a madman. So if he is not criminally responsible, I don't think that, um, I don't think that there's a point of rehabilitation for someone who grew, I committed such a heinous act. And to further that, I'm always in fear. I have daughters myself, so I'm always terrified of the fact that, you know, you never know what your partner is thinking, even your own children's father um, or anybody. You all yeah. always have to be extremely cautious when you bring anyone around your children. And I have said this before, um, that children should not be left with someone that you cannot fully trust. And even the people that you fully trust, you never know, because there is always a wolf in sheep's clothing and um, I have seen a lot of stories where people, you know, they go through life and then they reconnect with a cousin or, oh, you know, yep. I haven't seen this person in such a long time. And they are so trusting because, you know, it's family. Um, yeah. But anyone can become an enemy and anyone can be harmful to your child. And furthermore, I want to point out that I feel like a lot of people, I'm overprotective with my kids. Um, I do not allow sleepovers at my house, um, unless, you know, the kids are able to be responsible, but definitely, and that's my older daughter. Um, but I do not let my kids stay at anyone else's house at Same. all. If it's not my yeah. house or their father's house. And from time to time they can stay with their grandparents. I don't let my kids stay away from home. Yeah. Um, and I do welcome, you know, parents, if my kids are going to have company here, my youngest daughter is not allowed to, um, have friends over unless their parents are here, because I don't want to be responsible for anyone else's kid. I just feel like outside of school, children would be a lot more comfortable to maybe repeat things that they've heard or seen yeah. at home. And um, I also don't want my kids exposed or overexposed to things. You can't protect your kids from everything, but right. I believe that you do have a responsibility to your kid to protect them as much as possible. And you never know. These days, there are all. Another question was: Was there any? Did they ever say if there was any type of alcohol or drug abuse from David? Was he under the influence? Was that ever discussed? No, um, I didn't see anything about it. Um, they just literally said that it was um, an episode. Uh, he was having a break in reality, um, and he had no idea what he was doing. 
um, even though he had set up all of these things prior to doing it. And um, one of the lawyers stated that they he was interested to know what was on his hard drive, like why he would want to destroy his hard drive um, before killing Lauren. And um, so on the show, on the Dr. Phil show, um, even though Allison had said that there was, you know, kind of nothing indicating any type of like violence or uh, disrespect or any issues between him and the children, he did kind of lay out the fact that, you know, the week prior to Lauren's murder that um, he had told her that he had raped a 12-year-old, but he stated that he had had sex with a 12-year-old when he was 18 or 19 in Florida. But then also it was stated that he was cheating on Allison um, and then he was still in contact with the person that he was cheating on her with. And then also he was scared that people would see his conversations as he was addicted to sex as well as cyber sex which I guess is kind of equal to like sexting these days or whatever. Um, and so Dr. Phil had asked Allison, like, did you ever see any of the messages that he wrote? And she said, no, I don't know, like an indication of his mind frame, but there was never any talks of him being under the influence of drugs or alcohol um, at all in the relationship or during the time that he killed Lauren. Well, he's a sicko either way. Yeah. Um, and may Lauren rest in peace and of course prayers to her family that's such a tragic story and it brings me back to the fact that you know once these things are done they cannot be undone and so we have to try our best to protect our kids from the jump because this that is something that those other two children will never ever forget that's so traumatic and you know um, the sense of guilt that the mother is already going to feel, but also the the siblings, because what could, you know, they have done to stop this. This is a situation where a man took his own, he made his own decision to yeah. harm a child. And so I think it's crazy that they were stabbing each other for 25 minutes. I know. That's, that's a very long bizarre. time. That's a long, long time when you think about being stabbed, like... That's an extremely long time. And that's like literally a night of horror. Like I couldn't even imagine. And she just said that she knew, like at one point she just knew like, I'm going to lose my daughter tonight. But she was, she said the biggest regret that she had that night was not making sure that David was dead. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And even what you just said about, you know, the kids feeling like, cause even Nolan, I guess Erica, her twin, kind of just tries to act like it didn't happen. Um, her mom did put her in therapy, but the therapist said she wasn't speaking to her and she wasn't going to force her to speak about it. But until she was ready to speak about it, like, you know, they she couldn't help her. Um, but she just kind of acts like it didn't exist. She doesn't want to talk about it. Um, she doesn't want to be around people who are talking about it. And then Nolan, the brother um just has a lot of guilt he told his mom what if I had a hammer and I could have went in that night and it was just I don't know it's just like really really sad because you know Allison's like you know you were eight years old like there was nothing that you could do um you did everything that you were supposed to do which was stay safe and right. so I don't know it's just like a really um sad situation Allison um at some point after um the murder of Lauren she did end up going to her 20-year 
uh, school reunion and she reconnected with a guy that she had known since she said she was five. Um, they ended up hitting it off. They got together. Um, after three years, they were engaged. Now, this was back in 2016, so I'm not sure if they're still together, but she said that it was just really difficult because anytime that they'd gotten into like even the smallest argument, she would be like super on edge wondering like, well, what's going to happen now? You know, is he going to kill my daughter? Is he going to kill my son? Is he going to kill me? Like, and just having to live like that, I know is very traumatic and it's just super, super sad. But, um, I don't think I can yeah. recover and yeah. again after, especially now when my children were in the home and I'm not judging yeah. her, but no, of course, I just, that makes me feel terrified. I mean, myself and I don't know. I, I think, I think that in today's, since, since I see so many of these cases and this is now a thing that happens every single day, I think there's a certain climate that people have the insensitivity or let's see I think that there's a certain climate where people are starting to feel that this is an everyday occurrence but it does not matter how many of these stories I read I am still always just as blown away heartbroken completely just shocked at the brutality in some of these situations and I don't understand how people could be so senseless to senselessly violent, uh, violent to a child, a defenseless child. Um, I don't think that if you harm a child, I don't think that you should have the option of any type of saying I'm crazy or I had issues or any of that. I think that you should be automatically punished. That's my opinion. But I mean, a child is the most innocent being that there is. You cannot, there's nothing that a child could do, in my opinion, that would warrant um, being harmed. And I think we need to stress the protection of our children. Yeah. And sometimes that means choosing um, to stay single. Sometimes that means choosing to work two or three jobs to live in a better area. Or that means being strict on your kids. Um, and not allowing them exposure to certain people or certain yeah. things. And, you know, you're going to get judged either way. Your kids are going to say it's not fair. I remember my parents would not let us leave the edge of the driveway. That was our line. And I would sneak out, you know, not out of the house, but I would sneak tip past that line every chance I got. Yeah. But the older I got, the more I understood why my parents yeah. did not want us crossing that For line. Sure. And now that I have children of my own, I mean, some people think I'm old school, but I absolutely agree with that. You can go to the edge of the driveway type <laughs> of parenting because yeah. look at the world we live in. Your yep. kids are not safe anywhere. Um, and now in a lot of cases, we see they're not even safe at home. That's terrifying. So oh, my so, heart breaks for that family. Yes. So David is now 41 and he was last assessed sorry in 2023 april of this year so he gets assessed every two years so in two years 2025 we will find out if he well we won't even know actually because of the privacy laws so in 2005 25 he could be released um or he could continue to stay into these facilities but he will be reassessed every two years and once they feel like he is safe enough he will then be 
released back into the public. Yeah. Well, I hope that this podcast reaches women with young children before he is released. I hope that he is recognized um, everywhere he goes. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And um, ladies, I encourage you and men, because we know that there can be violence from any gender. Um, I encourage you guys to date separately from your kids or just do as much digging on people that you intend to have around your children as possible. And you can never be 100% sure, but protect the children at all costs. Anything else? As we bring this episode to a close, I want to, again, thank you guys for tuning in. I want to remind you that we are on almost all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, and Google. You can say, hey, Alexa, play Crime to Talk podcast, and it should come up. We're also on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on on a streaming service and you want to get some visuals, head on over to YouTube, Crime to Talk, and you will see the both of us um there's also pictures featured line or there are also pictures and visual you also find pictures and some small clips sometimes we will have audio and video of interrogations in future cases so if you are interested and you're a visual person head on over to youtube make sure you subscribe and in the meantime also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Crime to Talk Pod. Yes. And thank you all. If there's a case that you guys would like us to explore and maybe cover, you can send us an email at crime to talk at gmail.com. And in the meantime, stay safe. And if you see something, say something. Protect the children. And we'll see you guys next time.